0: The Holy Gospel according to John, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Judeans who came with her also were weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Judeans said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When Jesus had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace, living saints, by and in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. One of my friends and colleagues in ministry once described this passage from John as his favorite one to hear growing up. It might strike you as it did me a little strange to have a text about death about slightly disturbing images of bodies and bands of cloth that give us images of mummies being the favorite of a child. But his affinity for this passage revolved around his enjoyment of being surprised every time his pastor read it when he literally shouted the words, Lazarus, come out! I can see why he liked it. The same way we like to be scared on Halloween by... Going to haunted houses or the like, it gets our adrenaline pumping when we have a fright, but like this gospel passage for but like I like this gospel passage for another reason, and something tells me that my colleague does too. If you've ever been to a funeral, this story about Lazarus may sound familiar. And for many of the funerals I have presided over, families don't know how to go about choosing scripture. They don't know what passages seem appropriate all the time. So I suggest this passage for many reasons. The story of Lazarus mirrors the grief that we experience when we lose someone we love. We resonate with Lazarus's family and friends and the grief that they feel. But most of all, It shows Jesus' grief, God's grief. The fact that our God grieves when we grieve is a very comforting notion for people of faith. Jesus, our Savior, God incarnate, God made flesh, showing grief, giving people comfort through a sense of solidarity. I truly believe this, and I think this is so important. This is why I preach it at funerals. This is why I preach it on today, All Saints Sunday. I believe that Jesus grieves with us when death overcomes our loved ones and all of us. But actually, modern commentators on Jesus' grief, on his emotion here, believe his tears come from a place of anger, not sadness or loss. Was Jesus so frustrated and angry at the unbelief of his disciples that he weeps in consternation? He's already gone to great lengths to build up the faith in his followers, faith that death, whether it be theirs or his, is not the end. So as much as we might associate the remembrance of saints today as exclusively that, a remembrance, it is so much more. The sheer magnitude of deaths related to COVID over the last two years has been overwhelming, to say the least. And that doesn't take into account deaths from ongoing pandemics that have been around for thousands of years, like hunger, that show no signs of slowing down. All this to say, the death that is all around us causes a lot of grief. Grief from the tears that come from the loss of innocent lives, but grief like Jesus felt that not truly everyone believes in the power of God, the glory of God, through Jesus to unite us. Isaiah's prophecy brings about hope in the midst of dire circumstances like ours. Because you see that shroud he talks about, it represents everything in this world that stands contrary to God's love. That shroud is sin, that shroud is death, that shroud is darkness. It is hate, it is violence. In the midst of tragedy, we sing that chorus about God wiping away our tears, especially for all the people who have died, especially the tears of the families who have lost loved ones in death. The Lord will take away all the terrible things that lead to death, all of it. It is saddening almost maddening that we live with death in such major ways granted death is guaranteed no matter what we do all of this and the fact that it's all saints makes us think about the death of others but perhaps it makes us think of our own death too if it doesn't it should theologian michael ruffin describes all saints as an opportunity to proclaim the hope we have in God as we face the reality of being mortal people living in a broken and dangerous world. It is one of the many tensions we live with as Christians, but I'd argue it's a tension every faith lives with in this world, and it's reason enough for us to be joined together in mutual interest and community. Hate knows no religion. After the years this world has had, where hate runs rampant even during a pandemic that affects us all, what better text to bring us hope in despair than our second reading from Revelation 21? This passage teases us in such times. We long for such a place as this new Jerusalem. Jerusalem is, after all, that coveted holy city. What does it say that the end hope for us all in our unveiling book in Scripture is about a place with perfect and unadulterated peace? Where we actually all live together in a shared holy place as a holy people. You see, the book of Revelation is not about the end times, the judgment of the world, as so many are so quick to think. It's about God bringing about that for which we all dream. Notice that this holy city is coming to earth. It's not the other way around. God is not in a far-off heaven, nor are our loved ones we remember this weekend. God's home is here. And when that new Jerusalem comes, God will be leading the saints in a caravan towards home. And they will be welcomed and celebrated. And I'd argue, too, that such a life is possible on this side of the grave. I understand Jesus' grief and our gospel passage the same way. Brian Peterson, a New Testament professor at Southern Seminary, offers this valuable teaching of Jesus in the Lazarus story. Jesus has the power to give life now, because Jesus is the presence of God's life to become flesh for us. Jesus raising Lazarus does not negate the promise of the day that is coming when all the tombs will be emptied, and a voice will cry out to them, Come out! What it reveals is that Jesus is the one in whom there is life. In grief, people do not only need or want to know that Jesus is powerful enough to raise the dead. What we need to hear is that on both sides of the grave, there is life for us because Jesus has been sent to call our names. On both sides of the grave, Jesus is life for us. This is what All Saints Day is for, not just to remember those from long ago or those whose deaths are painfully still near, but to point out to the ultimate resurrection promise that is for all of us. More centrally, this day is about what all God's saints have known and experienced, that here and now there is no death or grief or fear so deep and dark that the voice of Jesus cannot reach it, call it out, and bring it life. By reading the names of the saints today, we celebrate the life Jesus gave them before and after their death. Just like I preach at so many funerals, in our loved ones' death, they leave us with a great responsibility. We carry on the life they no longer have. We are moved and inspired to live with love for others the same way they lived for us, This is why we lament their loss so deeply. And like our reading from Revelation, we pray and work toward the realities of that new Jerusalem, where grief and crying and pain will be no more. When we, all of us, accept the life Jesus gives on this side of the grave, we get just a little bit closer to that reality. It is a reality where all live as one, united in our diversity, as many members of the body of Christ. Amen.